Well, the Democratic National Convention of 2020 is now in the history books, and what a completely and utterly forgettable convention it was. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury for National Preview Online, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. Please subscribe. You can find us in the iTunes App Store at NP Online. You can also go to our hosting service on podbean.com, but as long as you have an iPhone, I would strongly urge you to go to National Preview Online, NP Online, in the iTunes App Store. We hope to be soon listed in the Google App Store, but the iTunes App Store is the big one, and you can get us there. But if not, you can always find us on podbean.com. Please follow our Facebook page at Facebook forward sla- facebook.com forward slash National Preview Online and our website, nationalpreviewonline.com. If there's a particular topic, subject, or point of interest that you'd like us to address, or you have a question for me personally, uh, please don't hesitate to email us at nationalpreviewonline at gmail.com. So, Democratic National Convention saw a lot of the same cast of characters. We had Michelle Obama leading off on day one, we had speeches from Mr. Bill Clinton the second night. Uh, we had Kamala Harris. And we even had the man himself, the former president, Barrio. And Barrio was in rare form. Uh, he was as much of a liar as he's ever been. He started off saying he was in Philadelphia and talking about how he was in the city where the Constitution was drafted and how it was not a perfect document. And this is something that's characteristic of the Democrats. He tries to profess a love of country, they all do, and he begins by saying how the Constitution wasn't a perfect document. And then he, uh, excuse me, I forgot to turn my phone off. Uh, he He then goes on to say that it was not perfect because it allowed slavery. It permitted slavery, and it forbid women the right to vote, and it even forbid men the right to vote if they didn't own property. Then he went on to say that when he left the office, he never expected that his successor would continue his policies or share his view, but he thought that he'd make some attempt to take the job seriously. And then he states with great certitude that but Trump never did. He still hasn't put in the work. Well, That's a lot of brass coming from somebody who never did a damn thing before he became president, except vote present, never had a real job, and didn't do a damn thing when he had the job. Never put in the work to try to get legislation passed. Never put in the work to try and bring jobs back to America. Oh, he says he brought a lot of jobs back, but he didn't bring any jobs back. Never did any work to try and Uh, bring economic equality in a real sense by giving economic opportunity. All he did was a continuation of the welfare state. Spent most of his time playing golf, and the rest of the time went around apologizing for America. This is the guy who wants you to believe he took the job seriously. And the man who goes to bed at about 11.30 midnight every night, gets up at 5.00, doesn't take the money for the job and donates it to the veterans and has done 
nothing but 20-hour days, 20 or 19-hour days since he took the job, and has done everything he can to renegotiate trade deals and has renegotiated trade deals and has brought jobs back that Barack Obama told people in 2016 while he was campaigning for Hillary Clinton were never coming back, like he told that person, that, that gentleman from Indianapolis who said he wasn't going to get it, that he lost his job, they were being exported. He says, well, your jobs aren't coming back. He goes, and if you talk about that guy whose name I won't mention because I'm not going to advertise for him, that's Donald Trump. He goes, uh, he says he's going to bring, no, well, how's, what's he going to do? Wave a magic wand? Well, he brought the jobs back, Mr. President. He brought them back and then some. And while we're at it, let me give you a little history lesson since you seem in need of one about this imperfect document that you call the United States Constitution. Well, it's true. It did allow for slavery. And it did forbid women from voting. And it did forbid men from voting who didn't own property. And there were very, very valid reasons for all of that. And it wasn't because of prejudice or because they didn't want equal rights. It was for a very, very, very important reason. First of all, back then, for those who don't know history, and I don't blame some of you young people for not knowing it because they don't teach it in school anymore. You know, I have a, a young child who's in middle school now, and I'm shocked that absent things he learned from me or he read on his own, his school does virtually nothing to acquaint them with history. They've done very little in the way of studying the Revolutionary War or the Civil War, which is a shock. But back then, the only person who had the right to vote, the only people who had the right to vote were men who owned property. Now, why was that? Well, first of all, women were forbidden from owning property unless they, they inherited it after a husband died. And there was no income tax. There was no income tax at the state level, and there was no income tax at the federal level. The only taxation that existed was property tax. So the only revenue stream available to the government came by way of property taxes paid by property owners. Now, the founding fathers had a very, very sound idea and position that governed their conduct and their thinking in this regard. They felt that it was immoral and it was unconscionable for anyone who didn't pay the cost of government to have a say-so in how government spent its money. Their feeling was, if you're not paying the freight, you shouldn't have a say. And you can see what violating that premise has wrought us. Once people realize that through the power of the vote, they can access the public treasury for themselves, they're going to vote in manners inconsistent with the common good and only consistent with their personal gain. People are going to vote for people who are going to grant them more of other people's money. That's where the whole idea came about preventing women from voting and preventing men who didn't own property from voting. They only wanted the people who were paying the freight to have a say-so in how that money was going to be spent. That was how you developed fiscally responsible government and a responsible citizenry. Now we have a situation where... Half of all the tax returns filed in the United States, and there's considerable 
tax returns filed in the United States. There's over uh, 130 million tax returns between people who are married and filing jointly and some children who don't file at all. But you've got over 130 million tax returns. The bottom 50% or the bottom 65 million of those returns only account for less than 4% of all the tax revenue generated by all those tax returns. And that is one of the principal sources of all of the problems in this country. Too many people have their hand out and are taking, and there are fewer and fewer people reaching into their pocket to pay. You know, a government is never supposed to be empowered to do something that you couldn't do yourself legally. You couldn't tell your neighbor, hey, I need to take a vacation this year, you got to give me money. And the government should not be able to compel your neighbor to pay for your vacation either. Nothing that you couldn't do legally yourself should your government be able to do in the way of compelling other people to give you money. That's exactly what we have here. So that's the reason, Mr. President, Mr. Barack Obama, why people were not allowed to vote unless they own property. As far as Trump taking the job seriously, he's taken it more than seriously, more seriously than you ever took it. He has redone all these trade deals. He's gotten us out of these wars that went on endlessly, wars that you did nothing to end, despite your saying you did. He didn't send planes over in the middle of the night to give billion dollars in cash to terrorist regimes like Iran, like you did. He's bringing them to heel. You are pissed off because he repealed the mandate on the Obamacare. I'm pissed off that the Affordable Health Care Act even has your name attached to it. You didn't write one line of that act. That was all written by Congress. All you did was lend your willing signature to it. That's all you did. You lent your signature to the act. You didn't do anything to define that act. In fact, that was your greatest failing, and that's why your presidency has no lasting impact on this country other than the few Supreme Court judges that you put on the court because you're the one who never did the work. You never sponsored a bill despite making promises to your constituents of immigration reform. You never passed any such legislation. You never authored any such legislation. You never sponsored any such legislation. All you did was talk and sign executive orders. And executive orders have a sunset. When you leave office, they're easily countermanded, and that's exactly what President Trump did. He countermanded your executive orders. And so you have virtually no legacy. You see, so if you had taken the job seriously, you hypocritical SOB, maybe you'd have more of a legacy. Right now, your legacy is that of an apologist for the United States, an apologist for American exceptionalism, an apologist for everything that was great, unique, and exceptional about this country. That's your legacy. Trump's legacy is going to be something very, very different. Trump's legacy is going to be somebody who saved America, who did more for minorities in three years than you did in eight and your whole party did in 50. Black unemployment in this country was the lowest it's ever been since they began measuring it under Donald Trump. 
until this COVID nonsense. And we all know the story with that. I've covered that in many shows here. Hispanic unemployment, the lowest since they've been measuring it under Donald Trump. And don't even begin to try and take the position that the economy was all teed up and raring to go when Trump came into office by you. You did nothing. You had less than 2% growth in every quarter you were president, much lower than all of your predecessors. But you did manage to accumulate more debt than all of your predecessors combined. So that's a signature achievement, I suppose. Not a very good one, not one that I would like to uh, take credit for, but it's one that you own. So you spent this into the sewer, and you did nothing to bring jobs back. And now you want to engage in a revisionist history and say that Trump didn't take the job seriously? The only one who didn't take the job seriously was you. You were a clown from day one, and you're a clown today. Now, late-breaking news we had today was that Steve Bannon, former advisor to President Trump, was arrested in an illegal fundraising scheme. Uh, We're going to be following that story. It's a developing story. Right now, the only news media outlets that are covering it in any depth uh, are CNN, uh, MSNBC, uh, and all the left-of-center outlets that you would expect that would follow them. Uh, I don't put a great deal of accuracy in what they say. There's been some mild reporting on Fox News and other places. I want to wait until the story shakes out to see what's exactly involved. Uh, President Trump has denounced Steve Bannon's conduct in this regard. Uh, It is a fact that he has not been advised by Steve Bannon for some time. Steve Bannon was out of the administration fairly early on, uh, notwithstanding the fact that Steve Bannon has been an outspoken supporter of the president post his association with the administration. I don't quite see how this reflects negatively on Donald Trump, but CNN's going to try and make it do so simply because Steve Bannon used to work for Trump in some capacity. Uh, But it's going to be much ado about nothing. Next week, we're going to have the Republican National Convention, which I hope will be a little more lively than the DNC. In fact, I was kind of hoping that they would go for a real convention and just call all this nonsense to the side with these virtual conventions. But I still maintain optimism over this because I don't think that all the king's horses and all the king's men can stop, stop Donald Trump from getting reelected again. Despite, I know there's going to be massive attempts at voter fraud. I know the whole DNC convention was designed to dispirit you and make you believe that things were terrible and that the, they're going to get worse if Trump gets reelected. We were doing just fine before this COVID-19 thing hit. The market was through the roof. Employment was through the roof. And I mean for everybody. The NAFTA agreement was renegotiated. China was brought uh, under heel with their uh, exploitative conduct with respect to the United States and the way they try to take advantage of us. And we're going to get a return to that. This quarter is going to be an unbelievable quarter. The numbers already indicate that the third quarter of this of this economy, this fiscal year, 2020, is going to be an explosive quarter in terms of growth and people being hired back, and the fourth quarter is going to be just as big. You want to see it all go away? You want to see things get worse? You really want to see things get worse, Michelle Obama, my dear? Just vote for that schlup that you plugged for, Joe Biden and the other former slave-owning family tree of Kamala Harris, and you'll see things get worse. You'll see a socialist country like you never saw before in your life. But I don't think Americans are that stupid. I think people see the forest from the trees, 
And I think as long as they can stop this uh, ridiculous mail-in voting and this massive voter fraud that's going to be associated with it, I don't see how anyone could possibly vote for Joe Biden. The man doesn't even know where he is. So thank you for joining us for another NPO Online podcast. Please subscribe again to NP Online in the iTunes App Store. Follow us regularly. We'll try and get another podcast in tomorrow. We may have some additional information on this Steve Bannon story and probably a few others. But please, by all means, follow us and tell your friends about us. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.